Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Crossed Up Phillies Podcast. Anthony Sanfilippos here. I'm Bob Wankel, and we are inching ever so closely to the start of this regular season. And I know, Anthony, we talk about this all the time. Like, it's me. I'm an impatient guy by trade, by nature. And I'm like, let's just start the damn season. And when you're doing a Phillies podcast twice a week, there's sometimes where you sit down and you plan one out and you say, Man, there's so much to talk about. I don't know that we could squeeze it all in in a 90-minute window. And then there's the ones like today where you're like, there's no new real developments. You watch the Phillies-Red Sox game on Sunday, and you look at the list of pitchers they trotted out there. Not a whole lot of meaning that you can take from that game. And so I'm like, we need to get to the Rangers. Like, get me to Texas. Let's go. But nonetheless, we are here, and we do actually have some things to talk about. We had a kind of dig deep to come up with a what I think is a good show today and a little bit of a different show. So let's bounce back and forth here, hit on a couple different things, and then I want to play my favorite game every football season, which is the schedule game. We do this all the time, right? Like, who are the list of opponents? How do they match up? How many wins you got? Well, we're not doing our major prediction show until next week. But I do want to talk about the start of this season and look at some of the opponents and where we sort of think this team might kind of wrap up the month of April. So we'll do that in a little bit. But first, Anthony, bring you in. What's going on, man? How we doing? Oh, doing fantastic, Bob. Really. I mean, it's I'm like you. I'm, I'm at that point in March where I feel like, yeah, let's just get to the start of this. And I think the Phillies feel that way, too, in a lot of ways. I mean, you, know, you look at what they're doing when you talk about trotting out a bunch of no-name pitchers to pitch in these games it's almost like they just want to be healthy at this point it's like they feel like we've all right we've done enough we've we've played 20 you know 18 19 games whatever it is that they've played um yeah let's just let's just get on to next week (laughs) because i mean really and it's if you're listening to this show you're a phillies fan like you care about this team you you want to know what's going on with this team and how to feel about it but you reach this point of the month, and it's about staying healthy, which they've had some issues with. Can mm-hmm. they stay healthy? That's the biggest thing now. And if you really want to live and die by every Scott Kingery and Jake Cave at bat down, down the stretch here, that's cool. Like, we can do that. But I just think that so much has been established with this team at this point that it's it's almost like I've seen enough. Like, we, we know what we're getting. We know who's who. We know how this team's going to win and be successful if they are going to win and be successful. Like, I just don't think there's a lot to be gained here over the next, you know, nine days, let's say. So that that's why I think I'm just more at – it's not that spring training doesn't matter, but at the same time when you watch Philly's Red Sox on a Sunday and you get Ortiz, Cobb, Bowden, Jewel, Hernandez, Martinez, Kraus, Lehman, Kilgore – like I, you know, I, I think I've moved beyond my appetite for for Grapefruit League baseball. 
Yes. A thousand percent. I mean, that was you look, and I get why the Phillies are doing it, right? I mean, they're they're bereft of starting pitching depth at this point because of injuries, and they don't want to get anybody else hurt. They just can't afford to. So they just got to kind of, you know, push these guys through. And I, I you know, I, I know that they're going to do some. I'm going to bring this up as part of one last thing, but I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is. But, but um, I know they're going to do some, you know, backfield work with some of their got regular guys to kind of manage the up downs a little bit more, um, uh, a little bit more in within their control as far as time. Because when you have these minor league pitchers, you're going to have long games. You're going to have long innings. You're going to have multiple pitching changes, and you don't want your guys sitting and getting cold and getting hurt. So I think that there's going to be some of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, for what we're watching on television, I mean, what are we getting? Like, it's awesome to watch Jim Haley do, you know, be out there, right? Kid played against my son, you know, local boy from Bonner, and they're interviewing him on the bench. Like, that's awesome, right? Yeah. That's great. But I don't know if I need to watch that every day for the next nine days either. So there is some meaningful baseball, meaningless baseball. It depends who you ask going on right now at the World Baseball Classic. You and I have touched on the WBC a little bit on this show. Yeah. My stance has basically been like, I want to like it. Liking things is awesome, but I would be lying if I told you I truly care. I will say this. I told you before the show that I would have a little bit of a different take on the WBC, and I don't know that it's entirely unique. But this is kind of where I've landed. Um, I, I think I actually kind of reached the point of exhaustion with, with college basketball this weekend. Maybe that's because I, I went two and uh, about 97 on my bets uh, from <laughs> Thursday through Saturday night. So I just got to I got to Sunday night and I watched a little bit of Fairleigh Dickinson. But I just was like, I'm, I'm good. I'm out. And so I start flipping around the stations. And, of course, I, I end up on the WBC. And we saw what Trey Turner was able to do over the weekend. And so I, I think I've got a few different takeaways from this. And I mean, I guess we're, we're a Phillies podcast. Let's start with Trey Turner. But I will just say, I think where I'm at with the WBC at this point is that certainly I will watch the final, whether they play Mexico or Japan. Like I'm, I'm in for the final. And I would say that the last couple nights specifically gave me a little bit of juice for this. Like gave me like a little bit of enthusiasm for what I'm watching. And I feel like, that we've watched on Twitter, a lot of people say, this is the greatest thing ever. It's awesome. I'm all in. And then we've watched a lot of people go out of their way to talk about how much of a waste of time it all is and injuries to like, you know, Jose Altuve and Edwin uh, Diaz. And, and th this is no good. They shouldn't be even playing it. I think what we're getting though, is the build to this. Like we all want it to mean everything right now. And I think it might be a little bit disingenuous to say this means everything, but you see that there is, some enthusiasm for this tournament and like you go through a few of them and you build up a history and you build up some disappointment and you build up some bitterness and maybe you develop some, some more of the rivalry on the U S part of it. Cause I know in other countries it means more than it does here, but maybe like, maybe what I'm getting at is that now is the average baseball guy going to be all amped up for the world baseball classic in 2023. Maybe not. But maybe in 2031, they will be. Like, maybe they're on to something here, and it's just going to take some time to make it the big, big, big event that some people already seem to think it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I compare it in a lot of ways to the World Cup, right? I mean, in soccer. I mean, obviously, soccer matters more in other countries than it does here. Uh, the World Cup matters more in other countries than it does here. But I'd say over time, and I and talking a longer period of time, but 
over time, maybe since 94 when it was in the U.S. the last time, I feel like it's kind of grown to the point now where people care in this country about it with a little bit more passion. Like in 94, when we had the World Cup here, people cared, but it was like, okay, this is something cool to watch. You know, it's local. It's in the U.S. Oh, this is this is cool. And then they would go away for four years. Now I feel like there's a there's a people care about it because it's it's a world event, right? And it's and it's good rivalry, good competition. I think yeah. the same thing can happen here in World Baseball Classic. And I think that's where you have to get to. It's like the average fan. Like I know, and I'm actually I was surprised by it. I'm surprised when I open up Twitter and I see how into it some people are. I, I've I've been kind of blown away by that. Like, and that's great. Like that's if you are one of those people and you're listening to this podcast right now, that's awesome. Like, there's I'm not hating on that whatsoever. Right. But like this year, the World Cup. I know it was played a different time of the year, but you get you get England and the United States the day after Thanksgiving on Black Friday. That's the first time, and I am not a soccer guy by any stretch of the imagination. That's the first time that I ever said that game is on I want to make sure that my day aligns so that I have the capacity to watch it not just I'm on the couch there's nothing on eh, I guess I'll put it on like and I, I, not that they're aiming for me but I actually think that that demographic's important like and and that's mm-hmm. what I wonder like can this be an event that not just diehard baseball people are into not that it, you know not an event that's just celebrated globally but here it doesn't quite mean as much as you know the Phillies getting started at the end of the month. Like maybe, like maybe they can get it there. But I think that this discourse about should they even be playing this, you know, the injury risk, I think all of this in a way is good. Like I am a big believer at the end of the day that conversation and some controversy and debate, even if it's not all overwhelmingly positive, like I think that that debate actually helps yeah. kind of breathe this thing a little bit. No, I think you're I think you're spot on with that. And and you know, when we can sit here and we can we can have that argument. And I think that this is a good thing. I think the World Baseball Classic is a good thing. I just wish it wasn't in spring training because I think that's where my frustration falls in personally is that I sit here and I watch and I want to be excited. I want to root for the Americans, right? I want to get behind them. And then I get frustrated because I watch the game against Venezuela and they got no good pitching. And yeah. the manager is not a great manager, and he's leaving Daniel Bard out there to suffer for seven batters. He should have been pulled after three. I mean, it's like it's ridiculous, and I get, oh, man. But that's where I get frustrated because it's like if they only had the best play. Like we all know if the f- best American pitchers were there, this is a this is not a con- not as close a contest, right? And they might win the damn thing anyway. I mean, like they yeah. might win it with, a, you know, nothing that even resembles – in the stratosphere of what they actually could bring to the table. Yeah. I do wonder, like, can they moving forward, whether they leave it in spring training, they end up moving it towards the fall. I saw, I saw somebody suggest that they do the pool play in the spring still like they are now. And then they wait until the all-star break to, to get to the actual knockout round. Like I've seen some different proposals out there. I don't know if you – I don't, but I don't know if you do. I don't know if you have a, a proposal that you think makes the most sense. I just wonder with pitching, with the care that is sort of, you know, brought to pitchers, like I just don't know that they're ever going to get all of these elite guys onto a roster all at once, no matter when they play it. Yeah, no, and and I don't have a proposal because it's funny. I was We were talking to Garrett Stubbs about this um, right before I left spring training. And I asked him, I said, you know, do you think that this is the right time of year for it? 
And he does. He thinks this is, he says, look, it's not perfect. It's not ideal. He says, but you can't do it at the end of the year. He says, because guys are worn out and, and hurting and everything else. You don't want to really put, you know, guys need to rest at that point in the year. And he says, and you don't want to break up the season and, and put it in, you know, at the all-star break and suddenly say, yep, we're going to shut down baseball for two weeks. He says, that won't work either because that's not good for the guys who aren't playing in the World Baseball Classic. He said, so really there's no time that makes that makes perfect sense. He says, this kind of does. This is the only thing, the only thing that I, that I would propose that maybe, maybe what you can do and this isn't even the greatest idea, but maybe what you can do is start it a little bit later in March, right, towards the end of spring training, and just delay the start of the season, season. by like a week and a week and a half or whatever you right. have to do. So that way at least there's some pitcher buildup that you could that you could then use because that's the that's the thing that that kills it for me is this 60 pitch limit for your starters. And it's like, all right, now we gotta go to these terrible bullpens and the game is out of control, right? I mean, so, so, you know, that's the one thing that I would maybe consider, but I, I don't even know if that's a, a great idea. Well, you know, what's interesting. I mean, so we watch this all play, we, we watch this all play out. Right. And I guess my biggest takeaway the last few nights is Trey Turner. Yeah. And, and he's a stud, not, man. not what he's just doing for the United States, but like what, what he's doing and how this might translate to the start of the season. Like <laughs> you go this guy, because it's not like, it's not watching your guy play. Like it's not JT real Muto and Kyle Schwarber who've already been here. Right. It's like, we haven't seen it yet. Like we haven't really seen what it looks like at citizens bank park in, in red pinstripes. Yeah. And so you watch what he's doing on this stage and he's becoming this, like to the extent that people are watching this, you know, national hero. Yeah. And you're like, Holy shit, this guy's going to play his first game for the Phillies in less than two weeks. And like, it's hard not to get excited about that. Yeah. He's legit, man. And it, and the thing about it, the thing that I get most excited about watching Turner do what he's done has been the fact that we know those players are treating this like it's a like it's the playoffs, like it's the right. World Series, right? And so the fact that I, the thing that excites me is he's a he's a he's a red light player, he's a spotlight player. He when when the pressure's on, he produces, and that's important, right? That's the thing that I take away more than anything else. I don't care if he gets off to a hot start, cold start, doesn't irrelevant, right? In in, in the grand scheme, but come September and October if they're playing baseball and they're in the playoffs again, right? That's the kind of player you want. Knowing that he's able to do that in those situations and and really just kind of, you know, take it and run with it. That's awesome. That's so we know we got that in Harper. You know you got that in Schwarber, right? Real Muto was really good last year, right? For for most of the playoffs. Now you add Turner into that same mix and it's like this, that that's what you should be most excited about because you see that like if he was going to this world baseball classic and he was like you know batting 186 or whatever like probably no one would even really take notice but the fact that he's doing this when it matters that much to the, to everybody who's playing in it that tells you a lot and that's what you should be most excited about yeah and i think the phillies fans are obviously going to take a liking towards this guy i mean what he's able to do the way he plays the game there's a lot to like there but I, I watched the other night he hits the hits the grand slam and you see the reaction and he's you know turns to the the dugout and he's jumping up and down going down the line and I'm like this is going to play in Philadelphia it plays anywhere like I'm yeah. not trying to you know uh pander here to the Phillies fans but like 
that stuff just seems to resonate more here. Like they oh, will sure. go on to that. I mean, if and if you look at that type of not just the impact on the field, but the energy, like it's just a perfect for what this team started to build last season. So um, if, if nothing else, I, it has definitely got me a little bit more, even, even more excited, I think, to see him really take the field and, and do this. Um, so listen, you know, we know that there are a few different things to talk about here, and I don't want to spend too much time on them, but, you know, you and I chatted before we started recording here, and Dave Dombrowski talks to reporters however many there are at this point down there. What did you say? The count was about three or four when you were down there? Most, most of the days I was there, it was three of us. It's amazing. My last, my last day there, um, uh, which one call it from, uh, inquire columnist, uh, uh, Murphy, David Murphy comes down. All right. But that was the first time I saw a columnist at spring trial. I was there for 10 days. First. So you're you're telling me you're there for 10 days and the Philadelphia inquire, the team's, were the league's reporter and Todd Zalecki, and then crossing broad. That was the media. That was, yeah. We had at the beginning of the beginning of the time. Matt DeGeorge from the Delco Times okay. was there, but he was there for like I don't know three days. But that was it. Um, but yeah, so th- he was there at the beginning. But yeah, that was it. I'm telling you, it was like it was it was. That's what made it really kind of cool in, in a lot of ways because you know it's one thing to stand in in the locker room and in the clubhouse and, and interview these guys when there's you know four cameras and. And you know, eighteen reporters from every outlet known to me. You know, they're only going to say so much because they don't want to get, you know, they don't want it to be ridiculous. But at the same time, when it's just three people and there's no cameras, and you're just and you're just having a conversation, you get better stuff from these people, right? You from these players, and you, so that's what makes it really cool. So, in a sense, while I'm surprised that there's not a lot of media down there, it, it's better for those that are there because you get you just get so much more information. But yeah, anyway, uh, I didn't mean to take that down. No, no. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> I think it's an interesting thing to be to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, so Dave Dombrowski talks. We get the Harper update. You know, still tracking All Star break. Who knows? A couple weeks early, maybe. You know, we'll see. Ranger Suarez. The update there seemed to be fairly positive. Uh, through again. They expect him to be able to start the season on the roster. They might have to be a little bit conservative with how they use him early on, but good to go. It appears. Uh, I know that you have one thing that, that sort of jumped off the page at you. Uh, and so if you want to hit on that real quick. Yeah. So, you know, the, the athletic puts out a report, Matt Gelb who does good work down there. And, um, and I say that because I, I actually watched a lot of the work that he was doing, like just hunting people down and doing, you know, these off to the side one-on-one interviews that, you know, he's not, he's not a pack reporter. So I give him a lot of credit. Um, and uh, he put a report out that, that the Phillies were, um, even though we have this great battle in camp for these last bench spots, that the Phillies are looking around at a to potentially fill the backup center fielder role with a player from outside the organization currently. Um, and, and I think, okay, fine, that's all well and good, but why, why is that an interest for this team at this point? And not saying that this isn't an interest, but... To me, if you're going to tell Matt Gelb that this is what we're doing, tell him you're looking for pitching depth because that's what they should be looking for right now. They don't have it. That's why we're seeing these minor league kids and everything else um, that are pitching these games because they're concerned that they don't have another guy to go to if another starter 
gets knocked down because of all the injuries that they've had in camp. So that should be the direction that the Phillies are going in. And I say this one, one last thing I want to add to it is if we remember who were the center fielders at the start of the season that they went to the World Series last year on this roster? It was Adam Hazley, Mickey Moniak, and then eventually Odubel Herrera, none of which made it to the postseason with them. Like so, so you can reach the World Series in a season where you don't have like the position, like every player that you need in the position in the in the field. Um, but can you reach the World Series without pitching? I don't think you can. And so therefore. To me, the most important thing that they should be looking for outside the organization right now should be another starting pitcher and not necessarily worrying about who the hell your backup center fielder is going to be. Well, let's uh, break that down two different ways. Do they have a guy that you think is capable of being the backup center fielder? Like, Are we at the point where if it got to it that, hey, Edmundo Sosa run out there for a game or two if you have to, Scott Kingery, let's do it. Like, I know we did the Scott Kingery thing last yeah, week. Yeah, I mean. I don't want to yeah, spend a lot of time talking about Scott Kingery again, no. but like. You don't have to. My, my point is, is that, look, maybe maybe you whoever you pick as your last two guys on the roster, you pick as the last two guys on your roster. And if it gets to the point where Brandon Marsh can't hit can't hit lefties or somebody gets hurt and you need another center fielder, you got guys, you know, that you can trot out there for a few. You can call up a Dalton Guthrie and, and have him play out there. You can play Sosa a game or two. Maybe you add Scott Kingery to the 40-man. Jake Cave can, you know, he's on the 40-man. He could play a few games out there. He's not the greatest center fielder. He's better in the corners. But, I mean, you can get by with what you have currently in your on your roster and in your system. I, I, I don't – you don't have in your system – the starting pitching depth for the major league level. And so to me, that's where the Phillies should be looking to add at this point and not worry about who the hell's going to be your backup center fielder. Easier to bring in a outfield depth piece at this time of year than it might be a, a depth starting Maybe. pitching guy, like, you know, somebody that you can turn to for a month if you need to. I mean, you do look at it, and I agree with you. Uh, right. We're down to Michael Plasmeyer basically is your, your next man up should something else go wrong here early on. And I know that there's this thought that like, oh, maybe Mick Abel. They're not, and Dave Dombrowski actually validated this yesterday. Yeah. Uh, that's not happening. Mick Abel right. is not an option come March 31. So, right. uh, you know, I know there was there was actually uh, someone fairly prominent had had taken his start against Atlanta as an opportunity to say, like, could could he make the rotation? No. no. You know, like, no, that's not going to happen. But I, I guess, I mean, I'm with you. I'm with you. I just don't know about the viability of being able to get something like that done in the next two weeks. Well, here's the way I look at it, Bob. So, like you said, Michael Plasmeyer is your next guy. And then after that, the only other starting pitcher on the 40 man is James MacArthur. Okay. Now, Matt Strom used to be a starter. Could you content potentially stretch him out enough to, to get there? And, and give you a couple of starts if in an emergency, of course you could, right? Um, but you really don't have another guy. Yeah. And as far as and what's I really out, don't want them to go down that road. Like, right, you, no. you constructed, you, you brought him in, you constructed the bullpen the way that you did. Like, I, I don't want to see them to take a strength and weaken that strength to try to plug a hole in an emergency situation on the back end. I agree. I agree. So, but you, and you're right, it's not necessarily. Baseball has um, non-roster invite pitchers that are probably not going to make the team. Probably have you know an opt-out in their deal that they can choose to become free agents again by a certain date. 
you know, if they're not on the on the 40 man or on, the, you know, on the 40 man roster at that point. So I'm not saying you're going to go out and get a star player by any stretch of the imagination, or a pitcher that's going to come in and be like, oh, what a great move that was. But can you get a veteran guy who maybe can give you five or six starts until you can get some people healthy and that won't kill you? Yeah, I think that kind of guy is out there. I think those kinds of pitchers are, will be available and, and probably fairly cheap, too. Well, what they're going to need is, you know, this is staying the obvious, but they just need to keep this thing intact here for the first month and let some of these depth pieces, like at least we're, at least we're worried about the depth pieces dealing with injuries right now, as opposed to correct the, the five, you know, but yeah. people, I think what happens is fans go like, well, what are you guys talking about? Like they, they got their five guys. They're all going to be ready to go at the start of the season. It's all good. I mean, as you know, things can go south very quickly. Like, that can turn very quickly. And so the things that you're not necessarily concerned about in the immediate all of a sudden become the center of focus or become very problematic, you know, snap of a finger. So if, if you're talking about competing in this division, going to the playoffs, being a contender, you do need that depth. Yeah. No, no, you really do. And, and not only that, and, and, you know, I know I know you're not the biggest Bailey Falter guy. He hasn't looked great in spring training and, and I, I, I know and look I was the one defending him a couple weeks ago right and I said you know he even said it he was working on certain pitches and not throwing them in you know throwing pitches in times he wouldn't normally throw them in and he's not working with real Muto and Stubbs he's working with these you know minor league catchers so there's a lot of things that you could say yes and but until he proves it Right. Other than, yeah, you know, yes, he has those good. You said, well, he proved it last year, filling in for Wheeler. Okay, but until he proves that he could do it on a consistent basis as a regular starter for more than you know six starts, I, I, I don't, I don't buy it either. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. So yes, I mean, you have your five, but the 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 fifth guy is eh, and and the fourth guy who we all trust in Ranger Suarez. Right now, he's the fourth guy because of the injury. He's only going to be able to start three or throw three or four innings his first handful of starts. Yeah. So now you're going to have to rely on guys coming out of the bullpen or, or a piggyback option of some sort. So, yeah, I mean, this is a concern. It's, yeah, five, yeah, they have five guys, but it's one of them you know, I don't trust completely, and the other one is not 100% ready. So it's a concern. So it's a pretty good transition to what I wanted to talk about and the main the main focus for me of this show which is let's talk about the first month of the season so you had said earlier you don't need a center fielder on your opening day roster in order to make the world series I wouldn't uh advise that as the preferred uh tactic but it is true um you also don't need to start the season particularly well in order to make a run in the playoffs either and we learned that a year ago uh, we learned that back in the the day with the 08 team and the 07 team. Like, those teams stumbled out of the gate a little bit as well. Um, Phillies a year ago went 11-11 and 11, uh, the first month of the season. And this year, between the end of March and, uh, you know, the month of April, they play, I believe, 29 total games, uh, 16 of which come on the road. And the lineup looks uh, like this. Texas, New York Yankees. Cincinnati, Miami, Cincinnati, uh, Chicago White Sox, Colorado, uh, Seattle, and Houston. Um, so I, I guess like let's let's just like break this down a little bit. What I did was I took the over under 
for each of these teams this season. So the over-under win totals for each of these teams to just kind of put some context behind how each of these teams is viewed. Uh, so I guess what I, I want to do here, like I want to actually play the schedule game. And so if you are sitting there and kind of rolling your eyes, yeah, like I know. Are, are we going to hit this by series? Probably not. But I think what I want to do in real time without saying, hey, Phillies need to be 17 and 12 at the end of April or, or what the hell. Like, I really want to work through this and say, like, where do you reasonably expect this team to be sitting five weeks from now? So let's do this. You go to Texas to open your season. You got three games there. You're going to see – are we going to see DeGrom? Is, is he hurt again? What, where's he at? Is he going to make his opening day start? Yeah, I mean, he probably, he probably is going to start, but I can't imagine he goes long. Okay. In that first start, right? So you you get the you get the Rangers at eighty two and a half wins. So when you look at the Rangers, you're talking about a, a formidable team that spent a lot of money in free agency the last couple seasons. You're going to be at their place. You know, I, I, again, I'm not saying like do they do they win two out of three or do they lose two out of three, but like I'm going to ask you, like, what do you think, man? Like, if I had to go, if I had to pick that series, I would say the Phillies would take two out of three. Okay. Texas. All right. I, I think there's are better. I think they're a better team than the Rangers. I think that Nola and Wheeler will go longer in games than maybe the Texas starters okay. would, and I like the Phillies lineup better. So I, I'll take two out of three. Okay, two out of three. So then they go up to New York and they play the Yankees. Ninety-three and a half wins the Yankees are projected for this season, and this is I took the odds at DraftKings. By the way, Phillies are at eighty-eight and a half right now as we talk. Yeah. Are you asking me what I would yeah. go with the Yankee yeah. series? I'm yeah. probably going, I'm probably giving the Yankees two out of three. Okay, so the Phillies are coming back home at three and three. I, I'm with you so far. I okay. think that they have a 500 first week. So then they get for three games at home the Cincinnati Reds, mm -hmm. who are unless you know. Listen, I know that you're a little bit little bit more in tune with like the minor leagues. I would say actually you're a little bit stronger uh, in your overall knowledge of other teams. Uh, here's what I know about the Reds. They, they fucking stink. <laughs> they, do, they do. They do stink. They do stink. And look, this could easily be a sweep, right? It could easily be a sweep. But I will say this. The one thing about the Reds is I think that their um, pitching is a little bit better than maybe people give them credit for. Hunter Green. Yeah, Hunter Green will strike out 12 in yeah. five innings. but then He's going to be really throw. good. Nick Lodolo, I think, is going to be a really good pitcher. Even a guy like Graham Ashcraft, right, who's their three, is not, you know, he's a, I think he's a real solid major league starter. The Reds lineup blows. It blows. So it really <laughs> comes down to who, you know, can the Phillies hit those guys? And, and, and I, I mean, sure, they could. I'm still just not – I just think that there's always those games where you, you, you have a, a letdown. I mean, even lost to the A's yeah. last year in the home yeah. – in the opening series, right? I'm not going to give them a sweep. I'm going to go two out of three. They yeah, I think they lost to the A's in the uh, the Sunday game last yeah. year. They were yeah. going for the sweep, and then they lost. Because that was the first yeah. game I covered last year. I was dealing with uh, some family issues, so I missed the first two games. And I get to uh, I get there that Sunday, and they're swinging the bats, and everyone's excited, and they did absolutely nothing. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there again. Uh, then you get the Marlins, and I think the Marlins are interesting. So this is at home as well. Um, the Marlins are projected to win 76 and a half games this season and i think we all know the story with the marlins like there's some pitching there they are pesky they can they can do some things like you catch them at the wrong time they can beat you two out of three sweep you, you catch them at the right time you can sweep them like where are the marlins any different this season than they have been 
the, the past few? I think they're a little bit better. I think that they're, you know, with the, you said they're over under 76. 76. And if they're not playing in the NL East, you'd think that's probably more of like an 81, 82. Yeah. And I think that they still might get to 81 or 82, Bob. I think that they're a decent, they're a decent team. And I think that, you know, they'll, you know, now with the schedule being a little bit more even and not having to play, I mean, they get, they get, they get 18 fewer games against the Phillies, Mets, and Braves, right? So I think that there's an opportunity for them to be a 500 team this year. And I think that they're, they're, you know, they're coming. Um, but I still think in, the, in that series, the Phillies are a little bit better. I give them Phillies two out of three in that series as well. Right. So the Phillies are seven and five through 12 games right now. That's, that's what I have them. That's fair. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Now you go back now on the road for the second time this season. Uh, and you you get the Cincinnati Reds again, and it's four games. It's there. Um, you know, I recall a couple couple difficult games there last season. The Phillies don't always just march into Cincinnati and, and kick them around. Um, what do you have there? I think it's when they win three out of four. That's a yeah, four game four series against the, against the worst team in the National League. I mean, right, it's, I mean, it's either them or the Nationals are the worst team, and I, I I think that the Phillies win three out of four there. All right, so then you hit the uh, Chicago White Sox for three, I believe. Uh, White Sox projected to win 82 and a half games this yeah. year. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. That's a tough series, you know, and, and only because there's not been an off day, right? If you look at the calendar, this is this is the weird part of this calendar in April. Normally, there's so many more off days. The Phillies go from April 8th to April 23rd without an off day. So now you've you've basically just played 10 straight games with some travel, and now you're playing a decent team. Uh, in the White Sox, um, and I so I think this is one. This could be a little bit of a speed bump for the Phillies. I'll I'll give the White Sox two out of three. I agree. I agree. So yeah. it's scary, actually. So we're what at eleven and eight now, I believe. That's I think that's correct. Yeah. Okay, and then you come back home and you get the Colorado Rockies, who, you know, we all know about the home road splits. We know that they're actually a pretty difficult team uh, at home. We know that they're uh, disgraceful on the road. This team should be especially bad this year, unless I'm missing something here. Uh, this is a team that I think that the Phillies will absolutely steamroll. Um, I, you know, we're sitting here saying 11 and eight through 19 games. If they were uh, nine and, you know, nine and 10, would I be shocked? I, I wouldn't be, but I would, would be surprised if the Phillies didn't, didn't basically dust the Rockies in this series. I, I think that this is a sweep for the Well, Phillies. you can give them a sweep. I'm, I'm still going to go three out of four. Okay. I just, I just have a hard time predicting four game sweeps. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's the only thing. If it was a three game series, I would agree with you. I would probably give the sweep. But at four, with four games, there's just always something funky that happens. And, and you know, bad teams do win games every once in a while. So we'll go three out of four for the Phils. So you have them at 14 and nine now. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Then you have the Mariners for three. Mariners are a good team. We saw them last season, uh, you know, reach the playoffs. 87 and a half wins. Um, they're at home. Uh, wh what, are we, uh, what are we thinking here? So the one thing that normally I, you know, I would look at this and then say this could be a trap because it's uh -huh. like you're getting ready to go on the road to play the Astros, right? Um, following this, and then the Dodgers if you go into May. I mean, so that's a that's a tough stretch of games coming up. That this could be one of those little bit of a look ahead kind of series. The only thing is, is that and you know maybe I'm looking too much reading too much into it, but the Thursday game, the getaway game of that series is a 105 start time. Mm -hmm. Which is ten o'clock in the morning for the Mariners, right? That's a that's a tough thing to do coming west to east and having to play early in the day. It really, really is. It throws off your schedule a lot. 
So I think that the Phillies may actually get two out of three in this series, whereas otherwise I would probably have gone the other way. I think that uh, Seattle it's would interesting. I will say I, I hear you and I agree with you. Um, the Phillies were especially bad, and I, I don't have the number in front of me. They were horrible last year when they would hit the road that left final home game. Like they could never, yeah. ever close out series. Uh, it was just like one disappointment after another. And I know that the Phillies at the end of last season were much different than the Phillies for most of the season, but just kind of something to take note of. Like I do wonder, like you talk about the ultimate look ahead spot going down to Houston to close the month. So you have them at two out of three there. So does that put you at 16 and 10? I believe uh, right is that 16 yeah and 10? 16 yeah and 16 10 with and 10. two out of three yeah. yeah and then you close with three games i believe all three games are played in the month of april with the astros that's correct um, astros are 95 and a half we know that they will not have uh jose altuve uh so we we suspect that he will be out probably through at least the end of may um we we obviously know the storyline here we know world series rematch we know how this all played out i mean I don't know about you, but I have them losing two out of three. Yeah, so so do I. Um, and, but I will say that I could, I could see a potential where, if from my from my from what I put together, maybe you're right, and they lose two out of three to Seattle, and maybe they surprise us and take two out of three in Houston. Um, but I, my first look, my first glance, it was yeah, they'll lose two out of three in that series. So well, I, I got to I got to right to that number that you said at the very top where you said 17 and 12, I was laughing because that's exactly where I had them yeah. <laughs> coming, coming in, looking at the month of April, and you threw that out there. I was like, well, yeah, Bob just said what my total is. So, so 17 and 12, 18 and 11, so we're feeling really good about the Phillies at the yeah. end of April. I mean, if this team is five, seven games over 500 at the end of April, I think everybody's pretty excited. I have to tell you, because I did this very quickly, like kind of where did I have them at? And this is where I also have them. I, I just, I feel like something's going to go wrong. I feel like they are not going to do this. Like to, I would not be surprised if they, they started 15 and 14 up and yeah. down. Like I, it's just never that easy. Like I, I, I guess my question is, and, and to kind of like actually put some context behind this or to like give it some meaning because we know that it's impossible to pick baseball games day to day. What do the Phillies need to be at the end of April and a to stay within striking distance? Like I, I know that we all come in and we know like the Braves are going to win the East. The Braves are far and away the best team. The Mets might be a little bit ahead of them. Who knows? But I think that we at least have to approach this season with the idea that the Phillies can win the NL East and they should be. And certainly within that clubhouse, they're going to be trying to win this division. Nobody in that clubhouse is going to say like, well, you know, we were the, the final wild card last year and that's how we made our run. And that's great. Let's just do that again. So like, let's, let's work this scenario under the, the pretense of that they are division contender. Like where do they need to be at the end of this month? That's, I mean, I, it's hard to put a number on it specifically because a lot will depend on where's Atlanta and where's the Mets also. Uh, so what I'm going to say is they just can't be where they were last year, which is out of it right away and then chase a wild card spot. Like right. that's not a good, that's not a good spot. You you have to be able to, to be in contention now, 17 and 12, you're in contention. I, I, I can't imagine either Atlanta or the Mets getting out to a ridiculously faster start. Right. So you, so even if they, even if they got off to a really, let's say the Mets, or the, the Braves got off to a start where they won 20 games. 
through April. Well, then, then you're only three games back, right? And that's that's manageable. That's workable. Whereas if you start 13 and 17 and the Braves win 20 games, now you're seven games out at the end of April. That's a, that's a tough road to hoe. And I know that this will sort of tie into my next question, but if I'm not mistaken, my, if my math is right, 13 home games in the month of April. So I'll just ask you very quickly, how many of those games have 40,000 plus at them in the month of April? That's a good question. I, I was, I've been thinking about that myself. I, opening day, obviously, for sure, right? Um, I think that the, uh, the, oh, the first game of the, even though it's a Monday night, the first game of, during school year, the first game of the Marlins series, because it's going to be Gene Segura's return, and I think people are going to want to go out there and see Gene. Gene. Jeans, jeans. Yeah, jeans, jeans. They're going to want to go out there. And say, no, but I think that whole, the whole opening weekend against Cincinnati will be packed. I yeah, think I mean, that, so I know uh, sold out uh, home opener. No surprise there. They're their, all day games, too. Their sales for the Saturday game have been outstanding. So yeah. I think they're close. Not sold out, but right there. And then if I'm not mistaken, the Sunday game is Easter Sunday. Is that is that true? That is, I think that's right. I, I think it is Easter Sunday. Correct. But, and yeah. Do well that day as well. Yeah, they absolutely will. They absolutely will. So uh, over forty thousand, I and mean, then and then I think you might get a little bit of drop off. I do think the one Miami game, yeah, um, you know, midweek four, four o'clock start. I don't. That's a weird time anymore, right? I mean, I don't mind that you know the business person special concept of one o'clock, right? It's kind of a but four o'clock is like a weird right time midweek. I I don't understand quite understand that so much. I don't necessarily know if that one draws as much. I, the Colorados, maybe the Sunday game, you know, if it's a nice day, maybe that Sunday afternoon game or the Saturday game's a 4 o'clock start. Maybe those two if you get nice days. Um, Seattle's an interesting team. You know, people might be interested in checking them out. You don't get to see Seattle that often. So you might get one or two. Uh, out of those 14, I'll say three, four, five, six. Okay. Get 40,000. What I hope for, like, I don't need to see 40,000 plus at all 14. Like, I don't, I, I think that last year did a lot to bring baseball back, the enthusiasm for this team back. Um, there's no question. I, I don't think that you're going to see the start of some prolonged 200 game sellout streak at Citizens no. Bank Park here. But what I do hope is that it is not just opening weekend, big, you know, big numbers, and then we go back to this, like, yeah, call me at the end of the season if you're making a run, you know, or call me when the Mets or Braves are in. Like, I, I hope that the fan base is able to take what happened last year, and I hope this team gets off to a start that gets people engaged right from the start. You know, like, I think that's important. I really do. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, you know, so when I start to think about the numbers and, you know, we're, they're not going to put 40,000 in the stands in the second game against the Marlins, but, like, what I hope that we don't see is, a, a true 12,000 coming through on a Wednesday night, you know, but you get early in the season, you get some bad weather, you get the Marlins in, like, it's going to be hard, I think, to put up big numbers consistently this first month. Yeah. The one thing I will say, and this is, this is, we were having this conversation over dinner last night about just how uh, mild our winter has been. Obviously there's been no snow. Maybe we don't have as chilly baseball yeah, nights say. in April as we, I'm just saying, I'm just throwing it out. There as a possibility maybe they're not as bad and and so maybe you get more people want to come out but i agree with you i mean when you look at the the opening opponents you know obviously the reds you get a little bit of a break that that's your opening weekend but um they're not an attractive team the marlins are the marlins the rockies aren't don't excite um 
Seattle's interesting, but I mean, again, it, it's not it's not Boston or the Yankees, right? So um, even though it's an American League team, it's not Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, right? So it's not the Angels like later in the year. Um, so yeah, it could be a little bit of a challenge, but I'll say this, Bob. The one thing, and I want to kind of take it back to when you asked how important um, April really is, and, and I, I, I can't, they can't get off to a bad start for the very reason of, and we've talked about, I remember looking at this last year and looking at the opening part of the calendar and how difficult it was. Their, their tough month this year is May. And I don't want to sit here and start going through. We're not going to go through, you know, series by series for May either. It's too far off. Who know, who the hell knows where things are, you know, with injuries and everything else by that point. But if you really look at the end of April and then the whole month of May, it's it's a tough road. It is. It's a tough schedule. I mean, you start with the Mariners, who are a good team, and then Houston, who we've already talked about on the road, and then it's Dodgers on the road, Red Sox, and Blue Jays at home. A road trip to Colorado where they're tough to play, and the Giants, who who are we don't know if they're good or bad this year. They're they're an enigma in a lot of ways. Then you come home and play the teams that we talked about last week as maybe they're gonna be better this year, Cubs and Diamondbacks. And then you're back on the road again for the Braves and the Mets. Right? I mean, so that it, it really becomes that's a tough five weeks. And, and, and- What's really interesting is like, how are we going to like, I start to think about these things now, like, how are we going to talk about this team if they come out of the gate slowly? Like, you have to afford them some, some wiggle room, some goodwill based on how last year finished. But we know, like, I keep talking about the expectations, like what people expect out of this team. Like, it's so weird that you're talking about a team that has the third best odds to win the division, but is coming off of a, a National League pennant. Like the expectations are sky high in the city, but there's also this understanding that they might not even win the East. It's like such a weird, it's such a weird setup going in. Yeah. But what I don't want to do is get to April 30th and and shovel dirt on them if they're 14 and 15. But I also don't want to do this thing where we forgive everything. Like, oh well, you know, they went 11 and 11 last year, and then they they won the National League, or they were out 10 games by the middle of May, and they we they won the NL. Like. This stuff matters. Like, if we're going to, like, talk about this team and their their 26th man and their sixth starter in case somebody gets hurt, like, then we have to go into this and, like, be critical. Like, we have yeah. to, you know, be realistic, be fair, and be understanding that not everything's going to go their way. They're not going to go 29-0 and 0 in April. But, like, that's where I'm starting to already go. Like, what happens if they get off to a good start? Like, how much stock do we put in that? Does that all of a sudden make them potentially the contender, like the team to win the East? If they're winning the division by three games at the end of April, we say, see, this team was grossly underrated. They were grossly undervalued by baseball people, by odds makers. See, this is the Phillies. Fuck you. They're going back to the World Series. Or if they start April three games under and then you look and you're staring down the barrel at a brutal May, is it fair to be like, yo, they're in trouble? Or, yeah. or do we just write that all off because hey, they, they did you know dancing on my own in October? It was great. I mean, well, no, it's a good point, Bob. And and they obviously felt like they were in trouble last year when they hit that when they were twenty one and twenty nine. Because you're you're absolutely right. Like think about how you guys do snow the goalie right now. And right. I know that you're probably a little bit more grounded than someone like Russ. And I, it's not even a criticism of Russ, but like Russ is like fire them all, bulldoze the building, right? Yeah. Like, and I, I guess you've probably started to like travel into that realm or that rationale as well but like right now the eagles can do no wrong we see what happens with you know 
Gardner Johnson, one year, six and a half guaranteed to the Lions. And everyone's like, well, clearly, clearly there's something wrong with C.J. Gardner Johnson because the Eagles would have done that deal. Like, it is possible. Like, I know the story that was put out there. We saw every Eagles beat guy tweeted out within 30 seconds of Gardner Johnson signing with Detroit. Eagles offered him three years. He misjudged his market value. They went on about their business, and now he's gone. Yeah, like, and that's great. Like we all put that out, and we're like, "Well, Howie knows what he's doing, and Howie does know what he's doing." I like Howie, you know, not, not even like, being overly critical about his his overall job, but like it's just this. Well, there's no way, there's no way the Eagles screwed this up because they're the Eagles now. They went to the Super Bowl and they right. won one five years ago. Right. So like, are we going to do that now? Like, are we going to just like let the Phillies off the hook? Like with everything that goes wrong when it goes wrong, like. What did last year do for the perception of how we treat this baseball team? I no, I, it's it. a great, it's a great question, Bob, and I think you're right. And, and you can't. I mean, we can't always let them off the hook. Um, we do have to give them a little bit more rope than maybe we've had in the past because of what they did last year, and because of the fact that Dombrowski and Fold have proven that they are far superior to sure. what was here beforehand, right? Absolutely. So, so you got to give them the benefit of the doubt sometimes that, you know, they'll, they'll figure it out and they'll fix it, but only to a point, right? I mean, I mean, you can't be the same thing you were last and year. I'm not like sitting here. Like, this is just what I do with someone like that. We yeah. host the show together. We're going to cover this team. We're going to write about them. Like yeah. these are the things that I think you have to kind of get out ahead of a little bit. And obviously a record, uh, you can get to 14 and 19 a lot of different ways. You can, because of horrible luck, terrible injuries, like it, it, there's there's a lot of different paths to get to wherever it is you're going. But I just go, like, if they struggle, like, I can't wait to see, like, how the fan base does it. Because, you know, for years on this show, I would say, like, this team doesn't know how to win. They don't have the right mix of guys in the locker room. Like, they have a losing energy. They're, they're just – they don't have a killer instinct. Think about how many different times we've had that conversation yeah. and how often I bang that drum. And you know what? I was absolutely right until I was no longer right. But they, to the point that you said, you do have to give them a little bit more grace now. They do have a little bit more of a benefit of that because they, they've shown that they do know how to win. They do have a killer instinct. We saw that at the, at the most important times last year. Yeah. So I can't wait to see how this city reacts. And that ties into the attendance numbers. Like, are people going to go out and be all in from the start? Is it going to take them a little time? Is it going to be a wait and see thing? Are we going to, you know, jump on them and do the same old Phillies thing if they struggle? Like, I that's the stuff that fascinates me. And I can't wait to see how that starts, you know, at the beginning of this year. Yeah, no, and I, I again, and I think that this, I think this town will be a little bit patient, but they won't be very patient, right? <laughs> I think that they'll give them, a, you know, if it depends on how. If you're coming home three and three, if that's off those six games, nobody's going to be mad, right? Nobody's going to be upset. They're still going to be showing up and waving their towels, and everything. Be, everybody's going to be excited for opening. I think game. they could go zero and six those first six games, and everyone <laughs> would be excited for the home opener. It's possible. You're pos- probably right. You're probably but, right. But <laughs> yes, yes. Wait another right. week, and I'm not sure that enthusiasm will be. I agree. That's what. Yes, that's the point. That's absolutely the point. So, so yeah, I mean, a, a lot will be determined. Um, I, I think by the I think by the time Colorado comes here, you'll have a, you'll know how the city is going to react to this team because at that point you're what six, nine, thirteen, seventeen, twenty games in by the yeah. time Colorado gets here. So I, I, that might be the, the 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 point where you sit there and go, okay, how's this fan base going to react to this team now? 
Well, let's get to one last thing because we're 50 minutes in. I know this is long. This is like the Seinfeld episode, the show about nothing. And we, yes. we've gotten 50 minutes in here. Yeah. So. And, the one, and the one last thing is not even something that it's something I kind of concocted on my own. This is a rare one last thing where I don't take something that's actually out out there in existence and and we discuss it. It's something that was just noodling around in my head. And we kind of were touching on uh, spring training earlier, and I wanted to kind of bring it to bring it to you. So one of the things that's changed, you know, there's so many things that change in sports these days, but one of the things, big things that changed in the NFL was getting rid of a preseason game, right? They, they trimmed the preseason down um, because of injuries and everything else. And, you know, nobody freaking cares about the preseason. Um, with baseball being as long as it is, and I know you, the, the, the players, the pitchers especially, need the time to kind of get this, and I get it, and I understand it. But when you see games like you saw yesterday, and, and you're trotting out eight pitchers that no one will may ever see pitch at the major league level, Okay, makes you wonder, would baseball be better off trimming down the the spring training schedule as far as game to game between teams? And maybe since they already do this already, they have their own like games on the backfield to kind of get pitchers under control. So that way you're controlling the the environment a lot more um, as far as what the pitchers are facing and everything. And look. The people love it down there. I don't want to take anything away from spring training. It's a great experience. It's fun and everything else for fans. But maybe, maybe just pull back just a little bit, cut it back by like a week as far as the number of games are being played. And maybe that gets you a little bit healthier into the start of the season. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. I mean, as soon as you were saying, and I, I thought about the the commerce considerations and what that would mean for you know towns like Dunedin and Clearwater and how much they rely on that from a and let me listen people are going to go down there regardless whether or not they're spring training baseball but it is a big deal uh it does help this time of year you know you get the people coming in uh on their different vacations and everything but from a baseball perspective it might make some sense um I don't think that there's any fan that's necessarily clamoring for those extra games like we've reached the point here where I don't right. need to see another seven spring training games. Um, you know, I don't know. There's really not a lot of demand for it. Uh, certainly beyond the people that are traveling down there to see it. So I don't know if the teams would ever get there. I, you know, I know a lot of these players, they probably appreciate the reps. They, they, they appreciate the runway. It's not like they're playing every day. A lot of yeah. these guys are playing once every other day, once every three days to begin with. So, you know, I don't know. Do organizations look at this as burdensome or do some of them say like, Hey, it gets us an opportunity to look at, at certain prospects, certain guys that we otherwise wouldn't really get to see in like true game type situations. Like, you know, anytime you have these games, like you can, you can get something out of it as an organization, but yeah, trimming the thing back by five games, I don't think would be a a devastating uh, impact for, for any team for that's for sure. No. And and I think that one of the one thing about it is, is that I would, say to, to prevent you know loss of commerce and all that stuff if you're having these simulated games anyway on the backfield for example open it up to fans right. have it in the ballpark itself where you're just playing against yourselves right fans would still go to that and still watch that where you're where you're having like an inner squad scrimmage i mean people will go and enjoy that and but it's at least under your control as far as how what everything is mapped out and it's what you want for your team and you aren't running the risk of, you know, man, we, we are, we are so bereft of, of pitching that we have to do what we did yet 
you know, the last two days, basically a week and a half out from the start of the season. I mean, Rob Thompson said he feels it's important for the everyday guys to play nine innings in spring training before they leave. He says, so that's going to happen. So you're going to see the starters play a full game or a couple full games before they get out of there. Okay, that's fine. But why have it so that you so that we're looking at watching all these players that have no no real chance? Like the one thing I say about being a hockey guy, and I'm not a I'm not a, I criticize the NHL all the time. But the one thing they do get right is how they do their preseason. They play five six games, and it's basically they cut down to the roster, and then maybe like four or five extra guys you know, that they're considering or thinking about for those, like one, maybe the first two games you have random schmoes playing, but then after that, those last four, it's the roster right. and, and a couple other guys. They, they make cuts right away. They know, and the Phillies know, and every baseball team knows who's going to be on their team, right, or who they want on their team. You might have a few extras. So start the season just doing stuff internally, play some games, and then after a couple weeks, start trimming that roster down and get everybody ready to go, and then and then at that point, it's worthwhile going down there and seeing those games because you're seeing like a full game out of guys. I don't know. I just think fewer well, spring training games against other teams would be better. Is it fair to say that you were not a big proponent of the on deck series? Yeah, I hated that. <laughs> I, I mean, I understood it. I understood why they did it, but I hated it. It's like, what what are we doing? Like, why? You know, why are we why are we coming out in the cold to watch games that don't matter? Like, what, what are we doing? You know, baseball's it's, back. It's forty-seven <laughs> degrees. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so that was my that was my one last thing. Like I said, a little bit different. It was just something that I pulled out of my head. But uh, yeah. Well, so here you go. A little little programming note. So Friday we have uh, probably our last true spring training show. Uh, yeah. Next Monday, our show will be our season preview. We'll make some predictions, uh, you know, not just about where the Phillies end up for the season, win totals, make the playoffs, how far do they get, uh, but just also breaking down some some bold takes, bold predictions about some of the player performances, things to expect. Uh, so that'll be a fun show. I look forward to doing that uh, next Monday. And then, believe it or not, the following Friday, we will actually have a real live, meaningful baseball game to talk about. Uh, we will record after the uh, season opener against the Rangers, and that show will be out on Thursday night or uh, early Friday morning. So we're almost there, Anthony. Like we are, the the light is coming at the end of the tunnel. We're about to hit it here. Yeah, it's and in the Phillies I may announce today, Aaron Nola is your opening day starter. May announce it. He's he's pitching today uh for the for the Phillies this is his turn um and then uh, you know he's on that path to pitch opening day Rob Thompson's been reluctant to say it to this point but I think it's I think today is going to be the day that they announce yeah Aaron's opening day against Texas so it'll be Nola DeGrom which, has has Nola fun. been the Nola's been the opening day starter the last like what five years this five would be six years? this would be six in a row for him okay. yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's kind of crazy. The guy's been the opening day starter on a team the last four seasons, and he hasn't been their best pitcher. It's, it's right. <laughs> it's, has that it's ever a, been done before? Yeah, it's a weird, right? Yeah. Um, I guess the last question, and this is probably something that we're going to have to let's tease it for next episode because on that in that vein, since we are getting so close to opening day, do they get the contract done before we have the uh, before we have a chance to talk again? 
running out of time. We'll tackle that one on Friday. <laughs> but they are they are running out of time. That was the whole thing, right? Like, Aaron right. wants to be here. Phillies want them here. They'll get this done, you know? Yeah. Uh, hasn't happened yet. You know, maybe they're uh, going to do it as a one-two combo. You just said they'll announce him as the opening day starter. Maybe it opening day starter contract. One yeah. big news burst. Well, you know, but, uh, we'll see. We'll talk yeah. about that one next time. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, anywhere that you listen or watch podcasts. And thanks a lot, everyone.